Welcome to A Bevy of Bloods, a fan podcast to the Sydney Swans Football Club. My name's Noddy, joined as always by Steve-O, and in this episode number 22, we're going to talk about the game just played against the Bombers, a few general topics in the AFL, the game ahead against the Saints, and finish off with all of our tips for the rest of the round. So to all you Signets and Swanlings out there, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. Last Sunday afternoon on the 1st of August, at an empty Melbourne cricket ground, the 6th place Sydney Swans defeated the 9th place Essendon Bombers by 7 points, with a final score of 16-6-102 to 17-7-109. Okay, Steve-O, first impressions, what do you think of that? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was another good win. Um, nervous at the end, but a good win. Uh, and that, look, that's three weeks now we've been talking about um, being challenged by teams playing for final spots. And, you know, that's the third time in a row that we've um, we've had a team come right at us and we found the answers, which is really good. And I think this one somehow for me was even more pleasing than the Giants one or the Dockers one because Essendon really kept coming at us all the way to the end, even when we looked like we had a one. I mean, we were up by like 19 points with about five minutes to go and they kept coming and we ended up getting over by seven. So, yeah, really happy to see, especially given all of the trouble that's been moving around the country and stuff for the Swan squad to, to get another really good win, five in a row. Definitely, mate. This was just another epic tussle between the Bloods and the Dons adding to the already many examples of close clashes between these two. I'm going to call it modern rivals. I know I'm not the first one too, but yeah, look, I was just pumped to get the, the W, the win. That's two against the Dons this year. I'll repeat, two wins against the Dons. Uh, I, I feel extra happy when we beat Essendon for some reason. Um, as you mentioned, three weeks in a row now um, against teams that were challenging, but also three weeks in a row now with relatively slow starts to the game. Um, but by now, for some reason, it's been instilled in, in me that we're, we're going to find a way to fight back. And we have, um, which I was very happy about, but God, I wish we didn't because it certainly would have been nice to avoid that high stakes ping pong that was the very stressful, stressful fourth quarter in the end. But all in all, very, very, very pleased with our uh, effort in total, uh, but in particular, our effort during the second half. And I'll go into details later on. Um, all right, Steve-O, what were your key takeaways? Oh, yeah, and I agree with what you just said. It'd be nice to stop giving team starts, wouldn't it? Jeez, it'd make things less stressful on the mm, fans. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, if, if we look at the context of what this is all happening um, around or what is happening around this, um, the Swans were last at the SCG on the 11th of June. So that's coming up to two months since we last played a home game. But in that time, we've managed to go five and one. So five wins and only one loss. And that one loss was by less than two goals to Port Adelaide in Adelaide. In that time that we played those six games, gone five, one, we've played at five different stadiums in three different states. And we've managed to lock in a final spot with five wins in a row, which I think is fantastic. That's a really impressive result for a team that was, you know, in the bottom four last year and, and no one really expected to, to turn around quite like it has this year. No one gave us a chance, Steve-O. No one. I think only Damien Barrett um, said we'd make the eight. Everyone else wrote us off. Yeah, there so, weren't many. I think I think maybe Rowan Connolly also had us in the um, former, former Fairfax yeah. journalist. Yeah, I think he also had us in. They're the only ones I can remember. Um, and I might even be wrong on Connolly. I'm not sure, but I, I have a feeling he did. Sounded imp- it sounded impressive. Yeah, he's always <laughs> like this one. He's a Bombers fan, though, I think. So he's probably not listening to this one because <laughs> it's a bit too close, <laughs> a bit too close to home. But um, Fair play. Fair yeah, play. but yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the one thing I guess about this game though, we did leak, we we leaked a lot of points. I mean, 102 points, which is a lot. That's way above our mm. season average. Where um we're conceding roughly 74 points a game prior to the Essendon game, but then 
the opposition makes a difference too. Essendon is a very high scoring team. They're the fourth highest scoring team in the whole comp out of 18 teams, yet they're probably not going to make finals. And this really, really end-to-end sort of shootout style also probably isn't the sort of football that's going to win finals either. But that's what we dealt with on the weekend and we were able to, um, and to manage it. But then, you know, we've won a shootout against the Bombers, which is great. But they've also lost three games this year where they scored 100 plus. The only team this year that has lost a game and scored 100 points plus has been Essendon and they've done it three times. So that says something about the type of opposition we're playing against and the type of game that they're going to bring. And and really, we can't give the better teams the chance to kick a score like that. If we give, you know, the Geelongs and the Bulldogs and the Melbournes of the world the chance to put 100 points on us, we're probably not going to come away with, with a result. But... um. But really, when we play these teams, they know how to defend. And that's the difference is that Essendon can attack, but their defense clearly isn't there. And of the top 15 teams in the comp, only Carlton has conceded more points than the Bombers. So, yeah, great to get mm. the win, but but wary of the fact that this sort of shootout style game maybe isn't what we want going forward. Yeah, OK, I'll back up your points there um, and say that it, it's the only game this year that we've lost two consecutive quarters, so two, two quarters in a row, yet st- still gone on to get the victory. So uh, in, in all of our other games, in the games in which we had consecutive quarter losses, um, they've all been losses. So that includes the, the loss to the Suns, which was abysmal, the close loss to the Ds, uh, the, the shocking loss to the Hawks, and then that close loss to, the, to Port Power. So um, that goes to show that, it's not really the type of game style or type of game we want heading into finals where everything's going to be a lot more intense. Um, we don't want to be losing too many consecutive quarters because it's going to be very, very tricky to get back in the hunt in a, in a pressure cooker uh, situation. So, look, if as you said, Steve-O, we, we just can't let other better teams than Essendon get a head start like this, um, especially the likes of Geelong. I'll... I'll um, Note that you already said those those teams there, Geelong. But the fact that Geelong has a pretty similar game style to ours in that you know um, they starve you of possession, of possession. So basically, they just keep the ball a bit like what we're doing. You know, um, tackle pressure, get the ball back, kick pass, kick pass, mark um, uncontested possession. If we do that with if we let the likes of Geelong get a head start like the Bombers um, could get, or go shoot out with them. Um, I, I don't think it's going to end very well, especially with the likes of um, the, the front three that they've got um, clicking down there at the moment. I'm not predicting a Geelong and Sydney grand final, but if it ends up being like that, you heard it here first. All right, um, Steve-O, quarter-by-quarter breakdown just very quickly, and this actually backs up these points we're just saying. So in the first quarter, uh, Essendon beat us three goals, three to our two goals, one. In the second quarter, Essendon beat us three goals, two to our two goals four, and the second half is a completely different picture from both sides really um, we won the third quarter seven goals two to Essendon's five goals straight and then we also won the second the fourth quarter to finish off the game with six goals straight to Essendon's five goals one obviously that gave us the seven point victory uh, but you can just see the first half and the second half were pretty different stories so steve stats throw me some numbers mate Oh, no, hang on. We've got some homework, don't we? Oh, yeah. yeah you're right. I, I, gave, I gave us some homework that I said that I would do. And lo and behold, you went off and did it for me. I had a, I had a strange feeling that maybe you would, you would uh, give me a hand on this, steve So I want to thank you. Uh, what, what was that homework there? 
Yeah, I couldn't help myself. I mean, last week we were talking about the Swans' runs of goals this year and when we've put on big runs of goals in particular. And we were trying to remember how often we've put six goals or more on a team um, this year. And we, we got a few of them right. We remembered Brisbane. We put seven goals straight on Brisbane. Adelaide, we put um, six goals on them. We put six on Collingwood, which I'd forgotten about in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though it was a relatively low-margin game and a fairly low-scoring game. And we left out West Coast, our biggest win of the year by like 90 uh. something. <laughs> we put 10 goals straight on the Eagles. We put nine on the Giants and we put eight on the Dockers. And against Essendon, I think three goals were their best run. So it didn't make the list. Yeah, definitely. And just very quickly, the other bit of homework, I think, was um, the rising star winners that Sydney's had. And uh, we were right there. Goods, Hanabry and Mills. Goods in 99, Hanabry 2010, Mills in 2016. But we're also... I guess by default, we can count Lewis Taylor now, who's obviously on the Swans list. He won in 2014 uh, while he was at the Brisbane Lions. So I think we've done our job there, Steve-O. Now, back onto the stats. Famous in numbers, mate. <laughs> yep. Homework completed. So, um, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> yeah. So, last week I talked about how, how great our tackling effort was. We made 64 tackles to 36, um, which was right on our average of tackles four, and 28 tackles to two inside 50, which, um, which was more than double our average of 12. This week, there was a massive drop off in the tackle numbers. We made 42 tackles only. Our average is about 63. They made 39. And we only made one tackle inside 50. Essendon made four. So, in the whole game, there was only five tackles inside 50. Buddy Franklin made five by himself against Fremantle two weeks ago, just to put that in a bit of context. Um, but I, I don't want to suggest that this is the entire picture. So just because we're not tackling inside 50 doesn't mean there wasn't some really, really great forward pressure going on. And um, that stuff doesn't necessarily show up in tackle stats. And there's a one of the moments I'll talk about in the next section with Sam Reed to try and illustrate this one a bit. And it depends how the ball's coming into the forward 52. If the ball's coming in, you know, really quick and clean straight to the forwards and you're picking it up and you're scoring and it goes back to the center, you don't really have the same opportunity to lay forward 50 tackle. So, so maybe the, the nature of the game also is reflected in that stat, but, um, but yeah, still a very good effort forward of the ball from our players, I think. Yeah, definitely. So obviously you've, you've touched on, on tackles and the fact that we were lacking those hard numbers but didn't mean that we weren't still applying the pressure. I'm also going to uh, add that we, we sort of found uh, a new way to win, in a sense. We're obviously not known for our clearance work, um, but, and, and we'll go through the numbers and, and, and that, that, that comes to the fore. But what, when we actually made more of a contest in the clearances, not necessarily beat, um, beat the Bombers in it, but when we made more of a contest in clearances, it gave us more inside 50s and that gave us more opportunities to score that we needed, especially in that second half. And I'll, I'll just highlight... Um, when we look at clearances versus inside 50s, um, I'll just pick out the third quarter. So we actually ended up losing both of these stats. Um, it wasn't too big a margin in the end, but effectively in the third quarter, we lost the clearances by three. Essendon had 11, we had eight, but then we reversed the inside 50s because we'd actually lost inside 50s um, in the first, second and, and fourth quarter as well. But we had plus eight inside 50s in the third quarter. Um, I'm not saying that all of these um, individual additional inside 50s equated to the, the seven goals, two behinds that we kicked, but it was a, a, a trend that we had in the third quarter. We, we matched them in the middle and then were able to get the ball forward. And then we had some of that tackle pressure. And with that was that all important third quarter where we kicked seven goals to, to their five goals straight, which basically helped us get the win. 
Um, I will also add that we continued our league-leading uncontested possessions. Um, we have plus 59, which is massive, uh, again, with the damage being done, in particular in the second and the third quarters, uh, where we had plus 25 and plus 33. Um, and here's another one. Although both teams scored the majority of their goals in the second half, so if we look at the numbers, Essendon scored six goals, five in the first half, and 10 goals, one in the second half. Sydney scored four goals, five, and 13 goals, two in the second half. I went through all of our um, numbers again, and it was our biggest second half score of all, of all year. And the next closest was back in round one against the Lions, where we scored 11 goals, seven behinds. So it just goes to show that it was a massive second half, um, but ideally one that we shouldn't have to repl replicate if we have a consistent effort uh, throughout the four quarters. Um, I, hey, I'm not saying don't kick lots of goals, but uh, we obviously can't allow opposition to kick that many goals that uh, the Bombers did as well. All right, Steve-O, favourite moments. What were your favourite moments of the game? Okay, um, the first one I got was from the first quarter. It's about six minutes to go. It's uh, Nick Blakey, and we've talked about him quite a bit, about how much we love what he's been doing off the half-back line since he's changed his position. Um, his determination to play on, which led to Franklin's goal from that 50-meter penalty. So there's a point where McInerney's got it at half-back on the far side. Um, he switches the ball across to Blakey on the broadcast side, quite a long kick, probably like a 40, 50-meter kick. And Blakey takes a strong mark under some pressure. He goes to ground in the contest. Then before he's even off the ground, he gets a quick handball off to a running ramp. He hits Franklin up. And I really like this one because it shows just how eager Blakey is to play on, take the game on, um, you know, whether it's through his run or his kicking or his quick handball to open up the game. It was just a really, really, um, I guess, typical moment of Blakey that sums up just how much his attacking presence and attacking mindset is helping us off the back. And, um, and then the second one that I've got, Sam Reed. This ties back into what I was just talking about with the pressure inside the forward half and how tackle stats don't necessarily mean that there isn't strong pressure that's leading to scores for us. So um, very start of the third quarter, 19 minutes still to go in the in the third quarter. Second half, um, that Sam Reed effort to get Will Hayward's first goal. So Essendon gets held up at half back. Um, on the on the far side, they decided to switch to play through their back 50. Um, you've got a situation where Stewart from the Bombers should take a, a pretty easy uncontested mark, but then a combination of a pretty poor kick by Laverde that really didn't help him out. It went on the forward side of him, making it a bit easier for Reed to close up and pressure. And then also Sam Reed coming really hard at him, sees him drop the ball, um, doesn't get the mark. Reed then wins the ground ball, gives a hand pass to Hayward, puts on a really nice shepherd and Hayward goals it. And a lot of forwards probably don't, make that effort to press like Reed did there. It's a very disciplined act from a forward, the way that he did that. And instead of a goal, which we got, you know, a lot of the time, Stuart probably takes an uncontested mark and Essendon clears the ball out of the back 50. But because of these little acts that often don't go rewarded in um, in, in stats or or in, in commentary or whatever, we got that goal on the back of Sam Reed's really good effort. Yeah, definitely not commentary. Um, I don't remember them saying too much. Oh, you know, there was a bit of a shout out, but yeah, he may have got, he would have gotten a pressure act for that on the stats line. Surely. Yeah, I guess so. And a hand pass, I suppose. He would have got something. But, um, but yeah, these little efforts, was, I think, are so important. And, and it's good to highlight them sometimes. Yeah, definitely. No, that was really good. Nice one, Steve. Um, I'm gonna, I've got two. One is quicker than the second one. The second one is quite long. <laughs> All right. Uh, four minutes into the second quarter, Hickey's goal. Just for how smooth the transition was, I think the commentators picked up on that. Um, Lloyd kicked in after that shocking Aaron Francis miss, but no worries. Uh, uncontested mark to Dawson out on the boundary. 
Handball's inboard to Rampy. Rampy goes long to Heaney. Heaney finds Hickey just galloping alone, as he can do. Takes the inside 50 mark. Set shot on goal. 45 out, roughly on the 45. Beautiful left kick. Swings in. Goal. Um, just another example of, of how good we are at moving it from our defensive uh, D50 to inside 50. Um, my next moment is I'm going to paint the picture a little bit more here. So in the third quarter, so I'm going to talk about the plays leading up to Papley's second goal of the game, which was the first of his three in the third. So he kicked one in, in the first quarter and then kicked three goals for his four goals, one. Um, in the third quarter. So there's eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Um, we've had a centre bounce after Langford got them a goal to be back within one point. We lose the centre clearance. Blakey and Lloyd come up out of the defence. Lloyd grabs it, handballs it to Parker, um, who passes over to Joey. And Joey handballs back to Fox. Fox short kick to Dawson. Short again to Cunners. Goes long to Parker. Takes a beautiful uncontested mark. Handballs inboard to Hewitt. Lizard screaming through, as you mentioned before. Um, he handballs out again to Dawson. And Dawson on that golden left peg hits Bud. Lace out inside 50 and is not paid a mark. That's not the favourite moment, but I do want to put a little exclamation point on that. The Bombers end up clearing it. Uh, it ends up in the hands of Nick Cox, who's running it out. Dawson doubles back to lay a very important tackle. Juzzy and Hewitt go to work. Uh, Hewitt gets it out to Cunningham who basically hacks it inside 50 kick to a, re, a pack where Reed and Buddy go up. They contest. They bring it down. Wicks crumbs and shovels it quickly out to Paplet, Papley, sorry, who uh, moves out to the uh, outside on and uh, puts the ball on the right foot snap. One bounce in the goal square and it is through. And that at that point, I'm very calm now, but I was losing my my shit at that point. We were, it put us up by seven points and that ended up being the eventual winning margin. I just thought that was an, like a really great example of working hard. You know, things didn't always go our way, but we fought to get back in it uh, and we went forward and then a little bit of Papley brilliance at the end there. Um, yeah, so that for me was unreal. All right. Uh, next up is the ABOB medal where Steve and I give our five best ones on the ground using the 5-4-3-2-1 scoring system with five points being the best. All right, Steve, kick us off with your five, mate. Sure. Um, you just talked about Papley. I had him as my best on ground. Five votes, then four to Mills, three to Luke Parker, two to McInerney, and one to Jordan Dawson this week. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm, I'm pretty similar here, mate. Slightly different positionings. I gave Callum Mills five, uh, Papley four, Dawson three, Parker two, and one to Juzzy McInerney. So we are 100% the same, but just different positions. So why don't we divvy them up, mate? You want to go Paps, Parker, and Dawson? And I'll yep. go Mills and McInerney? Okay. Um, Perfect. Yeah, Papley. I mean, it was pretty tough. Papley, Mills, and Parker, I thought were all fantastic. It was pretty hard for me to choose between the three of them for best on ground. But I went with Papley just because um, four goals won. And, um, and a goal assist, plus nine score involvements and 17 touches, I think, is an outstanding game from a small forward. And it was him that kicked that run of three goals, split only by um, by a goal from Jake Stringer from Essendon, but three consecutive swan goals in the third quarter that really got us back in the game and um, and gave us a bit of a wet sail going into the final quarter. So that's why I have Papley at the top of the list. And then um, and then Parker, I guess I'll, I'll do all three, I think. And then you can, you can take over. Um, Parker... 
I mean, another fantastic week. 26 touches at 89% um, efficiency. Match high nine clearances. Two really important goals. I, I love the way this guy has been just standing up and kicking that goal. We need it the last couple of weeks. He needed it again. So that's why I had Parker, uh, Parker so up, high up there in my votes. <laughs> and, um, and then Dawson. Um, he played more in the back half this week. I guess we've been seeing him play a bit more on a wing and, and pushing forward off that wing. He seemed to be playing a bit more across the back. It's hard to tell from the telly, of course, but um, but just his his marking is such an asset and his kicking is a weapon. He's got such a good kick on him and he opens up play. He brings people into the game. He, um, he really, really is uh, an important player for us this year. And, you know, they're talking about his contract. Whatever he wants, just give it to him. I don't care. He's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, just just give him just whatever he wants. Yeah, hand it over and say yep. thank you, Jordan. Keep on doing the things you're doing. Absolutely, Absolutely. yes. <laughs> All <laughs> right, mate. Well, um, I'm going to talk about Millsy and Judgey McInerney real quick. Callum Mills. Wow. Um, so yeah, two weeks off, or ended up being basically one week off. Um, I think, but effectively two weeks. Missed those two games. Sorry. Picked up where he left off pre-quarantine. Thirty-three disposals. 12 marks, 19 pressure acts, all Sydney Swans highs, 88% disposal efficiency and a goal. Uh, I was lucky he kicked that goal because he played on, but as if he was going to miss. Callum Mills, good God, what a game. Uh, I'll talk about it in a sec, but he racked it up in fantasy as well. Legend. All right, um, Juzzy McInerney. Um, this guy was just winning the ball all over the ground. He was uh, the highest swan for contested possessions, equal third for pressure acts. He used the ball really, really well, always looked composed. We're seeing him in this really mature um, – he's becoming like a really solid AFL player and, and really all in the space of less than a season. Showed a lot of signs last year, but this year he's really come into the fore, really almost – he's one of our trusted players, um, both a game breaker and a role player. So uh, just really pleasing signs there. So a well-deserved um, uh, Two for Steve and one for me. But uh, in terms of honourable mentions, Steve, who'd you have? I got a couple. I was just wondering, you talk about that Mills goal. Did he pinch that off, buddy? Was it a buddy free kick and then Mills yeah, played on? A, yeah, 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 yeah. So that would have that would have that would have been an internal memo. Take it off. Let okay, we've got to slow Buddy down here. He's, he's <laughs> getting to the thousand too quickly. So whenever you can, play on, but make sure you definitely kick it and win the game for us. Yeah, because Buddy, he took it pretty graciously, didn't he? Even even smiled and celebrated with the boys after that goal. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go 50 50 with Bud. Sometimes yeah. he uh, can crack the poops, and then uh, other times he's like, Yeah, well played. Yeah, good on him. Um, I had a couple. I really liked Sam Reed's game. I thought he, even even not only the second week back, um, he played a really important role for us across half forward and and working really far up the ground and giving a contest even across half back as we we're bringing it out of the back line, which was really nice. Um, and then he pinched it to the ruck and does a pretty good job as, as that as well. McCartan was really solid at fullback. Really, really good job. And Hayward, for me as well, was another one. I thought he's two goals. He's become a really important player. He's kicked, what, 22, 23 goals this year mm. as mm. as pretty much a fourth forward behind Franklin, Papley and Heaney, who aren't easy blokes to to um, to um take attention from, you know? So he's doing really well. Yeah, definitely. The way you can bob up and uh, and kick strings to goals is uh, is really, really just so valuable for us. Um, I'll add Heaney, Lloyd and Blakey there just for... Um, Heaney had that tackle pressure as a, did we mention that Heaney's tackle pressure? No, I don't think we did that, that tackle pressure that he did. I think he made three efforts in the space of like 10 seconds. Yeah. Caught, uh, I think he got Stewart or Laverde holding the ball. And then he laced one straight into Parker. He kicked Park, uh, I think first of his second. 
a first of two goals. Yeah, it was just unreal. It was just uh, classic Heaney. And Lloyd, look, we just give a shout out to Jake Lloyd um, just because he's racking up the pill. He's getting a lot of free plus threes, um, <laughs> plus three points uh, with that free stat line uh, playing on from the kick-ons. But yeah, he, that's not to say he's not a fantastic player. And I think you'd, you'd have him more Australian, wouldn't you, Steve, if you were judging? This year, uh, I don't know. I think he's certainly in the conversation. I mean, there's not that many really consistent, reliable, um, sort of distributing style halfbacks around. And Lloyd's one of the better ones, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. We're lucky to have him. And uh, he was also a, a diamond in the rough. He was a rookie upgrade, wasn't he? So another Swans success story. All right. Um, if you've got nothing else there, I'm going to move on to our AFL fantasy update uh, on our fantasy team called A Bevy of Bloods consisting solely of current Swans plus a few ex-Swans to help us out with injury cover. In round 20, ABOB scored 1,572 points, which ranked us 60,217th in weekly scores. So it's an improvement of about 4,000 places. Uh, leaves us sitting 67,104th overall, which is an improvement of about 700 places on last week. Four of the top five high scores of the game were Swannies. Mills first on 152. Thank you very much. Wow. Dawson third on 114, McInerney fourth on 101, and Lloyd equal fifth with Parrish on 97. The highest scoring bomber was Merritt on 142, which is a massive score as well. So again, the top five uh, swans were Mills on 152, Dawson 114, Juzzy 101, Lloyd 97, and Parker on 94. The pro, the, the, the overwhelming pro was that Mills came straight back in and absolutely smashed it. The obvious con was that I thought it would take him a week or two to warm back up, so I kept Luke Parker as captain and in doing so missed out on Mills' huge 152, which would have been 306 points. I was sobbing. Anyway, um, uh, in terms of trades, uh, I've got Rowie waiting on the bench should any changes be made, but we will chat about uh, likely ins and outs in the preview section, so we'll move on to that later on. All right, Steve, over to you for a quick VFL update. It will be a quick update because there's not much happening for the Swans in the VFL right now. The scheduled game against Brisbane last weekend was cancelled, just like everything in Queensland was cancelled early on Saturday morning. We woke up oh, to man, find out I there was, was nothing. That yeah. was, I, was, I, was, I was blue. Like I was like legitimately, because that's kind of like I look forward to the footy. I realised how much I look forward to the footy at the moment. <laughs> and then when they announced it was off, I was just, I was stroppy. I was stropping around the house. Uh, I almost, I think I probably threw a, I, yeah, I threw a tantrum. <laughs> leveled up and threw a tantrum. Oh, oh wow. Man. Yeah. It was certainly a shock for me. I mean, I woke up because the time difference in Finland, so it had all progressed considerably by the time I woke up and found out about it. I think you texted me actually and said games off. I was like, you what? So, yeah. so it was, they even cancelled one of the VFL games. Gold Coast was playing Southport in, in Queensland the day that this thing was announced that Queensland was having this snap lockdown. The game was underway and they stopped the game halfway through the first quarter, which was unheard of. So that's that unbelievable, happen. isn't it? Yeah, Can you imagine the, being a player in that game and just going, what the hell is going on here? Uh, so it's, it's all chaos. So the Swans are back in Victoria now and I imagine we'll be there for the rest of the regular season at least and then we'll see where the finals are at. But but yeah, so they're due to play Sandringham this weekend. We don't have details yet um, as to when or where or anything. But hopefully being in Victoria where government restrictions are lighter and the AFL seems to have a, a much 
better and flexible working arrangement with the Victorian government around football, it'll be easier to get games into our VFL players because um, there's not many games left to, to break into what's a very good team and it's hard to put your hand up when you're not playing footy. So fingers crossed we get some VFL going soon. Mm, definitely. Yeah, good point. All right, mate. Well, uh, let's move on to the next segment, segment two, AFL Hot Topics, where we have a quick chat about a few things going on in the AFL. Very quickly, off the first cab off the rank, Viney. Just got given two weeks for what you have described as a submission tactic or like an MMA-style movement. Just a few quick thoughts here, Steve. Let's not labour, but... Yeah, it was it was horrible. I went, when I saw it, and I saw it from the various angles. I just it was one of those ones where you feel a bit sick, because um, I mean that sort of thing. Like in in some ways, that sort of action, like holding your arm into the neck of a person who is submitting on the ground, is in some ways even more violent than throwing a punch, because it's about like dominance and submission and making a person feel powerless and trapped and totally at your mercy. And I felt really really uneasy watching it, and I was pretty surprised to see him get away with two weeks. I thought they would have given him more than that, honestly. And I think that a lot of the football media seems to be agreeing with me that two weeks seemed a bit light. Yeah. It just, just goes to show how, how broken the system is. And look, you mm. compare buddies, buddy, buddy got off with that elbow, right. And they're saying that that was intentional. He definitely meant to do it. If you can't, if you're holding your elbow on someone's throat, that is the definition of intention. And, yeah. and look, I, I, if I were Collins, like I know, you know, they're taught, the players are taught to, you know, walk away and all that. But I, I, if someone had done that to me, the way that Jack Viney did it to, to Collins, I probably would have stood, stood up and decked a guy. Like it was just, yeah, it was hard to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe he was in a bit of shock. I mean, it's not something you expect in football. And I always think we talk about, and, and this, this idea of football versus on-football acts has been raised off and on throughout the year. And Jimmy Bartell has been a big advocate of it. And he's experienced. He's been on the on the tribunal himself, I think, or the MRO in the past or whatever. Like he's had roles in this and and he's advanced this idea of football versus non-football. And so I think, okay, if I'm coaching a football team and I've got players, is this something which I teach players how to do? And if it is, then okay, the accidents can happen and we have to consider that. But I've never ever in my, you know, 10 plus years of coaching football and 20 something years of playing football, being coached or coached someone to hold a person on the ground under my arm, putting pressure on their neck or their head or their jaw or whatever, ever. So what's it got to do with football? Yeah. Two weeks seems light to me. Anyway. Yeah. yeah that's shocker. <laughs> yeah. I could talk about this all day. Let's move on. <laughs> I think yeah. I too right, mate. That. All right. Next one. Can we, the Sydney Swans sneak into the top four and how is our record against the better teams here? Oh, we can. We need to win all our games. So we need to win 3-0, 3-0, and hope that Port drops one of their games. They play the Crows this week, then the Blues and the Dogs. We need them to drop one of them, and we need to scrape a little bit of percentage over the top of them as well. So it's it's possible, but it's not entirely in our hands. Mm, but, the, the dogs the dogs there, surely, is, that, is the most likely of that scenario, you yeah. would think. And even the Blues, you never know what the Blues are capable of. They're mm. one of these teams that can pop up. But at the same time, the Blues, I was looking at the records of the various teams versus the current top six teams, which is where the contenders are placed, really, and um, this season. And we actually have the second best record of any team against the top six teams at 60%. Melbourne has 83. They've been very good against the top teams. The Dogs and the Cats are 50% each. Brisbane and Port both well below 50%, quite poor against the better teams. But the the 
Blues haven't beaten a single top six team. So I don't really want to bank on them getting it, getting it for us. So it's probably going to have to be the Dogs. Yeah, you're right. Or the Crows at the uh, the fiftieth showdown, but we'll uh, we can talk about that uh, when we do the tips later on. But yeah, less likely. So yeah, All right, next the one. Crows have, um, oh. The Crows have beaten Melbourne and they've beaten the Cats, so maybe the Crows could do it for us. They've got form against the top teams. They could do it. It's it's the local uh, derby, derby down there, local derby. So uh, I say you never derby. Know. What do you say? I say derby. It's derby. It's derby. You say derby. Okay. Yeah. I say derby. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're both... derby, I think is WA. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. WA maybe Taz, I think. Anyway, if we've got any listeners out there from Western Australia let us, or let us Tasmania, know. <laughs> let us know. Please correct us. We're happy to uh, learn. All right, next one, Steve-O. Swannies are now a certain to finish no lower than sixth. Which of the potential seventh or eighth teams would you least like to face? Least so who like, would you rather okay. least like to face or uh, most like to face? Yeah. Either way. No, that's easy for me. The one I don't want to play is Essendon. They've pushed us to within a kick or in a bit. I mean, seven points and three points. Yeah, I don't want, I yeah. don't want to play them honestly. I think I think they probably won't make the finals, but if they do, they'll finish eighth. And I'd rather come sixth and play whoever comes seventh, than come fifth and play whoever comes eighth because that's where the finals work. Yeah, yeah. Essendon and, and the Giants, but I think Hopper's now injured and and maybe they're fading a bit. But yeah, Essendon for me is the one to cross our fingers don't get in. Just very quickly, Hopper. I think I saw um, get stretched, stretch it off the other night. What what happened to him? I missed that uh, the bit of play. I forget did the details. It was a concussion, and he ended up. They did some stuff in hospital. I think he's all right, but I'm pretty sure he's not playing at least this week. Or mm. yeah. look look pretty bad anyway. So yeah, yeah. I also want to avoid the the Dons just for how close our games are. Um, look, Richmond is all. Mm-hmm. Know what's going on with them? But they're a smoky. Well, it's funny to say that Richmond are a smoky. They're always they're, they're theoretically dangerous, so uh, I feel funny about them. Um, yeah, and Giants just for the fact that they can uh, they have a habit of upsetting us as well. I also don't want to play West Coast or Frio at Optus though, and it, and it, especially if we end up fifth, that should be a home elimination final, right? Well, fifth or sixth. So yeah, in in theory, oh, yeah, we're not going to be playing in Sydney, so. Um, I guess that's a, a segue to the next question. If we get a home final and, and therefore a choice of location, where should it be? Where, where would we like to play? Uh, I mean, this partly might be out of our hands. It might be that the AFL realises that they can't get the crowds in Victoria and they have to ship the whole finals off to WA or something. But notwithstanding that, um, I reckon we should play our home final at um, Cardinia Park, GMHBA. That's our new home away from home. We had a, had a great win there earlier and why not keep it it's a good cycle i don't think that the swans are probably going to fill out a, a marvel stadium and mcg so why not put us out in geelong and, and get a good crowd out there yeah we got uh, plenty of south fans down there shout out again to our south fans um or swans fans who are south melbourne based and um yeah we had a, a good crowd out there and a good really good result against the eagles there and um and we've also really i would say in recent history played geelong really well there um, so, look, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, mate. Cardinia Park, GMHBA. Um, if we do have to play the Eagles or the Dockers at Optus, the, I guess the, the crowd will be against us. But if, if Buddy's fit and firing, we know he likes to heat things up there. So that's a bit of silver lining there in that um, scenario if that eventuates. All right, last one, steve or two more. Will Alastair Clarkson coach in the AFL in 2022? If so, where do you reckon? 
Uh, I reckon if, if I were him, I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to have his options, wouldn't it? Because he's got the option of taking a year off and just enjoying his payout from Hawthorne, however much it was, probably quite a lot of money. Touching a million dollars. Uh, a million bucks, there you go. Why don't I just take a year off and, you know, read the newspaper and go for holidays and stuff and go for walks. Domestic travel. Yeah, morning <laughs> morning coffees or something, like whatever he likes. Does, but, he have, um, does he have basically access, like, the state of Tasmania is just like, come on in. Yeah, probably. Um, he could probably set himself up down there. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, if, he, if he is going to coach, I guess, I, I think there's three options. Collingwood wants a coach. I don't know if you want to go there. Um, the Blues might knife David Teague. I don't know if you want to go there either, to be honest, given the hostile political environments in both of those clubs. And then the Suns is the other one. Even though um, uh, Stuart Jew up there is still contracted, but... Um, the AFL runs that club more or less like it's it's their thing and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to insert Clarkson in there but then why not just wait until Jew's contract finishes I think he's kind of contracted to him next year anyway I want to just you know line Clarkson up and send him up there in 2023 if that's what you want to do so I don't know I don't I don't think he'll coach next year unless he wants to yeah yeah for me I, I think that uh, Carlton are just desperate enough to do anything they can to uh, convince their fans that they're headed in the right direction. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to uh, get rid of Teague and, and probably do it in a messy way as these uh, big four clubs are wanting yeah. to do. Um, not always consciously uh, sometimes. Uh, we talk about Collingwood and the and the mess that they are, they're in this year. Yeah, and um, the Hawks. The field. They're playing what a mess the Hawks. with that. Jeez. Oh, wow. Can all this. Yeah, it? no, we've all, we spoke about it. Yeah, I'm definitely here until the end of uh, 2022. And then what was it? Two weeks later. Nah, I'm gone. So uh, it was really, yeah. yeah, that one shocked me. He's like, he's won them four flags. You reckon you'd want a bit more of a dignified exit than that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think it just goes to show that there was not very good communication and it was probably against um, what Clarkson wanted. And yeah, he probably just cracked the, cracked the shits and left. But uh, fair enough, yeah. um, I guess. Uh, all right, last one is Buddy's 1000 countdown. So 15 more goals to kick until the magical milestone of 1000 is reached. If we're guaranteed four more games, so that's uh, three more games in the regular season rounds, 21, 22, 23, plus one, fingers crossed, uh, quote-unquote home elimination final, that's four games. He'll need to kick better than his career average to get it. His career average is 3.14 at the moment. He'll need 3.75 goals a game. Uh, This year, however, he's kicking at 2.7 goals a game on average. So it's going to take a few bags. So if we do end up over at Optus, we know that he devours goals over there. Um, it could end up happening. But like Steve, I know you got to. We've we've made our position clear on this previously. You want to just bring it up again? For sure. I, mean, I think we said last week and, and maybe the week before. I hope it goes into twenty twenty two, so we can do it in front of preferably a Swans home crowd, but at the very home crowd, but at the very least. Uh, a good sized regular season crowd, whether it's in, you know, Victoria or WO, who cares where it is. But I think that the moment deserves an occasion, which is more than a 25 capacity stadium or less, which is what it's probably going to be otherwise. Yeah. Um, the selfish Swans fan in me says, yep, yeah, please hold off. I want to be there at the ground. I want to run on, I want to take my family onto the ground. So it's one of these things that we always remember. Um, as I did with my family, a shout out to my family. Where, I forgot to mention I was there with, with my family um, when Plugger kicked that point and we ran on. And then also when he kicked his um, 1300th goal, we ran on there. And they're, they're moments that we'll always remember as a family. And so I, I would really, really hope um, 
that that can happen as well. But at the same time, yeah, look, if it's going to happen, it should happen in front of people because that, yeah, as you say, it just deserves a stage, doesn't it? And uh, look, we're also talking off air. Maybe Buddy just gets really good at bringing more and more people into the game. So just more handballs to Paps, more handballs to Wilbur, bring Heaney in, give Reid a couple. He's really just... Um, upping his score involvement and goal assists at this point to delay, delay the inevitable. But, um, yeah, look, if it's going to happen, yeah, I just hope that there are people there. He did a nice one. Again, Buddy he did a great piece of um of team play in the in the third quarter when Luke Parker kicked one of his two goals in that quarter. Um, the ball was getting kicked in. Buddy let out. And um, Luke Parker just came right in the slot behind him in the space that Buddy left and took a nice mark and kicked that goal from the side. So, you know, Buddy can be a decoy maybe for next little while. Mate, what a, what a fantastic decoy he is. Um, a very capable it's, decoy. It's, it's a luxury uh, to have, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Just running around giving a decoy lines. That's fantastic. All right. That is the end of that segment. So let's move on to the last section. We are going to talk about the round ahead. Um, obviously, the Swans next game, game five of round 21, is an away game uh, for the now fifth place Bloods. Uh, taking place this Saturday, the 7th of August at Marvel Stadium in Melbourne against the 13th-placed St Kilda Saints with first bounce at 7.40pm Australian Standard Time. This is the first time that we have not been sixth since round out eight, Steve. I'll just lead off with that, that little, uh, that little point there. So that's... Uh, because I, I remember this, this for most of this year for this podcast. I'm, so there's still sixth-placed Bloods but now we're we're fifth, and it feels good. It sounds weird, but it feels good. If I can just, uh, if you if you catch my drift. All right, <laughs> I'm getting radio silence from Finland. You're like, move on with it, Noddy. All yeah. right, um, injury status, team changes. How do we pull up after the Bombers game, and what might we be looking at in terms of changes, if any? Uh, the only injury it looks like Isaac Heaney had a bit of a thumb injury. He's listed as a mm. test. It looks like he'll probably play. We're guessing. So that was the only injury. Our injury list is pretty much non-existent. I mean, besides Heaney with his thumb test, it's um it's Naismith with his indefinite ACL, and that's it. Everyone else is fit. Everyone else is good to go. Warner oh. was supposed to play in the VFL against Brisbane last week, but that was the cancel game, so he didn't get to play. So yeah, Warner is ready to play footy again. That's it. We can pick from. Pretty much the whole list. So okay, okay. Yeah. So we're looking, we're looking at form then. So yeah, who who are we looking at that potentially could be in danger? Uh, the one who we ask question about every week is um, is Bell, but clearly he's playing a role that they like because he's been in the team for about two months straight now. So he must be doing something which is pleasing the coaches, which we don't see when we watch on the telly. Um, um, some sort of like defensive team role or, or something that they like him doing. But still, he's the one that if I wanted to bring someone else in, you'd have to say is the most vulnerable. Um, and I would really like to get, now that Campbell and Warner are both fit, If in terms of players who could do damage for us in finals, I'd like to get um, a game or two into them before we go into finals. So I'd like to see one of them come into the team. Okay, so bell out. Uh, Campbell or Warner in? Yeah, probably Campbell. If, if, just because Warner's yeah. not played VFL yet, so maybe Campbell. Yeah, okay. Um, Campbell is he? He actually, I think he's more of a, a half forward or, or midfield mid forward. Um, I think that's where he played most of his um, footy in the juniors. 
Um, so rather than the, the halfback, which was what he was um, mm, yeah. starting in the first half of the year. So he could probably come in for Bell. He's not as big um, as Bell, but he's, he's quick and he's got that deadly left kick. So, yeah, I think um, it's not like for like, but I think he could you know, definitely perform that role. Yeah, if, Heaney's un- if Heaney is like even 50-50, are you resting him? I would, yep. Um, I don't think there's any value in playing a partially fit Isaac Heaney three weeks out from finals when we've already guaranteed a top six spot. I think it's pointless. Um, if he's not really, really, really good to go, then just give him a week off if he needs it. But, I mean, he'll know how he feels and the, and the doctors at the club will know how he feels and everything, but I don't want to risk potentially our most game-breaking finals player for the sake of three games that probably aren't going to get us into the top four anyway because we're relying on other results. So... Yeah, I would I would rest him if he needs it, and maybe robot him in. Robot him or Stevens, probably robot him. Mm. Stevens still uncontracted. A lot of chat on the uh, the Swans uh, forums or the the Facebook page. Um, some saying let him go. I'm 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 in the camp of definitely would like to keep Stevens because I think he's shown enough. He's going to be a very very good player long term. Um, would is Wicks? Do you think Wicks holds? I think so. I think he still plays a really, really good role. And and Stevens is tough too, because like he's a genuine winger and we don't really like we don't really have any of these other younger ones who are genuine wing players. So I would love to keep him. I could understand if he wants to go somewhere and get opportunities, but I think he's just been very unlucky this year that we've had a ridiculous we just said we don't even have any injuries and it's round twenty one. Um hmm. so in any other year, he probably did play 10 or 15 or, or more games because there would have been injured players. So he would have been in the mix all the time. It's just that this year has has been really, really tough for him. I'd love to see him stick around for another year and the Swans reward him with maybe another two-year contract just to show some faith in him. But um, but yeah, like I, I get it. You know, you've only got a certain amount of time you can make um, make a career as a professional athlete. So I understand that as well. And he was we, uh, we're going to get garbage. He was pick five. If we trade him, he was pick five. If we trade him, we're going to get like a pick 30 or 40 or some rubbish for him, you know? So I'd, I'd love to keep him. I think that he's going to be an absolute cracker in years to come. So I just, whatever we need to do to hold on to him. But I think we did a very quick um, list management chat in the buy round. Um, it certainly wasn't in any detail, but I know you and I have been talking about um, getting something together off air um, for on air, funnily enough. So why don't we um, we work on something in the next couple of weeks? Because I know it's going to be a conversation, well, already is a conversation going around in circles. Um, so why don't we have a bit of a think about it and, uh, and, and give the listeners our thoughts next week or the week after, Steve-O? Yeah, sounds good. All right, mate. Um, in terms of St Kilda, um, in the mix lists, uh, Ryder uh, potentially coming back for his Achilles, or he has been replaced, replaced in selected side. Oh, is this... This is last week, so um, oh, so Ryder was out with an Achilles. Yeah, he was. By he was Hunter, laid who out came last back from week. his jaw. Yeah. yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Hunter came in. Howard uh, hamstring subbed out and Clark uh, concussion. So the possible ends for the Saints. There's Ryder potentially come back in for his from his Achilles, and I think uh, we were chatting earlier that the combination of Ryder and Rowan Marshall equals St Kilda winning. So um, or certainly a better chance of winning. I don't know what the exact stats are, but it's pretty it's pretty favourable in there in there um, towards the Saints. So yeah, we probably want to be careful of that. Um, all right, in terms of our performance prediction, which Swanee flies high and why? 
I reckon Buddy's going to kick a few. Hey, he's um he's been sharing a load up forward and he's been playing a really great team role, bringing people into the game like I was talking about before with his with his leading and his pressure and stuff that he's been doing. But I reckon this week he's going to get a few. I reckon four plus from Buddy. You think he's going to ignore the 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 A Bob memo, the internal memo, the sly one we've just slid across the the table saying, "Hey, pass off to your teammates." Yeah, so just that, slow it have... down, Bud. But I reckon he's going to get it. going to just going to kick goals anyway. Yeah, all right, fair call. Hey, listen, last week I uh, wanted Lizard to kick a few. I asked for a few, uh, but he kicked one, and I was very, very happy with that. It was up and about. I thought he did very well. This week I'm going to pick Wilbur. Uh, so Will Hayward, who kicked three against the Saints last time, I think he's going to. I think he's going to go one better, and he's going to match your buddy and kick four goals uh, as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd be happy with uh, just some forward half pressure as well. So. Um, <laughs> Which he does, which he does, but I just want him to continue that as well. All right, in terms of the opposition danger players, which Saints do we need to be careful of? Um, for me, it's their marking forwards. Max King, Tim Membray, they combined for seven goals straight last week against the Blues. Um, the team did not play well against the Blues, but they they did. And they're both really good players. They'll make the most opportunities, so we just can't give them opportunities. We can't let them get that sort of ball inside 50 because they're the sort of guys who are going to take marks and kick goals. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what his um, accuracy is like, but Max King is the type of player who can put it together on one night. Obviously, I know, so you got that four, four, four straight. That's pretty good. But I know he can spray or has sprayed in the first half of the season, but I think he's improved his kicking. So need to be very careful of him. For me, it's Jack Steele again. He's elite in tackles, elite in pressure acts, elite in contested possessions. He's number one in tackles, averaging nine a game. He's number seven in the league for contested possessions, 14 a game. Continues to shine and lead the Saints from the front very, very well. I think he can hold his head up high. Um, Jack Higgins obviously scored one goal, six behinds against us last time we played in Sydney, three of which were in the fourth quarter with the game there to be won, and he didn't. So if he holds his spot, which he probably will, he'll surely be looking to bounce back in a big way. So just put a little asterisk on Jack Higgins there uh, for me. In terms of winning formula requirements, what do we need to do to get the win this week, Steve? I think this is simple, and this is the case all the time, but it's pressure um, and forcing turnovers. The Saints aren't the most skillful team. They're not a great ball use team either. Um, last week, I was looking at their disposal winners list last week against the Blues. Of their top 10 ball winners on the ground, um, only two of them had better than 70% disposal efficiency, which was Ross and Hill, who had 79 and 83. The Swans equivalent number against the Bombers of our top 10, we had eight of our top 10 with 70% or better disposal efficiency. So we're using the ball a lot better than them. Um, and of those guys, five of those eight guys were better than the best um, St. Kilda player last week. So we're a very, very good ball use team. And if we can pressure them and force turnovers, we can score off turnovers um, very effectively. So yeah, it starts with pressure. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's really simple. I think um, I, I really think we just need to not take this one lightly. Just just because they've dropped off on form doesn't mean they, they should be disrespected. Um, and, you know, we're in a pretty good uh, patch of form. So we, we shouldn't let that get to our heads. So for me... This is, this is you know, a bit of a danger game as well that we could drop. So I don't want to go into this. Uh, I, I just don't want this to be another Suns or a Hawthorne where we just get completely smashed. So I want, to, want, to, want us to go into it, um, taking it very, very seriously and, um, and respect the opposition and, and, and play hard. So that's what I reckon there, mate. All right. So 
in terms of recent form and previous meetings, obviously the Swannies are 13 wins, six losses, sitting in fifth. Woo! Uh, the Saints are eight wins, 11 losses, 13th. So the Swans are five from our last five, which is our longest win streak this year. Uh, the Saints are two wins, three losses from their last five, with the last three games behind um, those three losses being Port, West Coast and Carlton. So uh, so they had three good wins before their last three losses is what that means. So they were in a good position and then they, they blew it by those three uh, losses that they've had recently and they've been pretty bad losses. Um, the Swans have won four of the past five games against the Saints. Our last loss was round nine in 2020 when they beat us by 53. Our most recent win uh, obviously was this year in uh, round 12 when we got the nine-point victory. Aside from that loss in 2020, though, of those other four most recent games, we've beaten the Saints with an average margin of 42 points. So it can blow out. Um, St Kilda's eight wins have been against GWS, West Coast, Hawthorne, Suns, Ruse, Richmond, Collingwood, Brisbane. So, you know, you can read into that if you want. They were primed, as I said, to push into the eight with three good wins in rounds 15, 16, and 17, but have dropped off uh, the last three or dropped the last three to end up 13th and a very small chance of making the eight now doesn't mean they won't. Um, in terms of overall team stats, if we look at tackles, Sydney's third in the league, St Kilda fourth, so it should be a, a tight contest. Um, inside 50 tackles, Sydney second, St Kilda fourth, again, going to be a tight contest. Uh, goals, Sydney third, St Kilda 15th. Disposal efficiency, Sydney sixth, St Kilda 15th, as you were saying there, Steve-O. With all of that in mind, who are you tipping, Steve-O? Swans to win for me, yep. And I'm relatively confident even. Wowzers, okay. I'm never confident when the Swans play, but that's just, uh, the, the, I guess, the eternal pessimist in me. But, yeah, I think the Swans will win too, so long as we turn up and, and respect the opposition. So that's my tip. All right, Steve-O, if a group of Swans is called a bevy, then what is a group of Saints called? Uh, I've had to do some work again because this is another double-up game, so I've had to get creative. Um, last time, we agreed on a communion of saints, which is kind of boring. So this time, I thought I'd think of the relationship between the two teams. If you think that St. Kilda has got three ex-swans on their list, so Membre, Jones, and Hanabry, um, all on the St. Kilda list at the moment. Ben McGlynn is part of their coaching staff. I think he's involved in player development or something. And not too long ago, we also gave them former Swans premiership players, Adam Schneider and Sean Dempster. So there's plenty of Swans colour down at the Saints. And if you go back in time even a bit further, St Kilda club legend Lenny Hayes is from Sydney. He was a Pennant Hills junior. So that was one that we, we let slide through to him. But honestly, it was kind of our own fault because if there was an academy in 1998, Hayes would have been a Swan, but there wasn't. That system didn't exist then. And as it went in the draft, when Lenny Hayes went, we picked three players before St Kilda took Hayes at pick 11. We took Fosdyke at pick three, Fitzgerald at pick four, and Jude Bolton at pick eight. Two of them became great players for the Swans, but we could have had Lenny. And in the same draft, we also ignored Mark McVeigh, who was taken at pick nine from the Central Coast. So two players that went in the top, um, top 11 from the Swans Academy zone that we didn't take in that year. So um, so lots and lots of St Kilda um, or Swans flavour down at St Kilda. And then Saints have been good to us. They gave us Barry Hall. They gave us Plugger. They gave us Craig O'Brien. They've got red and white in their jumper. So all of that considered, I'm calling them a Sydney of Saints this week. <laughs> okay. You, okay. So here I am saying let's respect the opposition 
and say, yeah, yeah, let's take this really seriously. And you're calling St Kilda this week a Sydney of Saints. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Okay. You are quite confident, aren't you? All right, Steve. Uh, look, even if we lose, you know, it's not, it's, <laughs> they can, it'll come back and bite me, I'm sure, in, in a few days' time. But for now, for now, let me enjoy the feeling of confidence going into a game for probably the first time this year. Fair play. All right. Um, I want to be with you there, Steve. But yeah. as I said, I'm, I'm always a bit nervous when, when our bloods play. Just real yeah. quickly, um, you mentioned um, Fosdyke there. Um, when we, um, on a quick bevy, just a quick shout out, and Chris and I interviewed Nick Smith, ex um, Swan 2012 Premiership defender Nick Smith. Um, we asked uh, what was the, the most interesting nickname that he'd ever come across. And um, obviously, a lot of people, a lot of Swans fans remember um, Fosdyke as Fozzy. But apparently uh, Fosdyke wanted everyone to call him, all the Swans boys, to call him Moose. So his nickname ended up being Moose. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a pretty funny story. But um, yeah, check that out if you want. I'll give it another plug later on. But um, all right, well, we're going to finish off with uh, the rest of the tips for the round, Steve-O. So let's get into that. Game one is second place. And by the way, just quickly, thank you for that homework on the... I know it's getting tougher and tougher, tougher and tougher with the double up games. So... Goodness knows what next year is going to bring. But, um, yeah, thanks again for doing that, that <laughs> extra work there, Steve-O. Can always count on you to do a bit of Swans homework. All right, back to the tips. <clears throat> Excuse me. Game one, second place Cats versus ninth place Giants at GMHBA Friday night. I'm going with the Cats. Cats. Game two, 12th place Blues versus 15th place Suns at Marvel Saturday afternoon. Blues. Yep, Blues. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, game three, 11th place Tigers versus 18th place Roos at the MCG, Saturday Twilight. Tigers, but who knows? Yeah, I have to pick someone, so Tigers, why not? <laughs> Sound very excited there, Steve. Yeah. Uh, game four, 16th place Crows versus 4th place Power at Adelaide Oval, Saturday night. As we said in the 50th uh, showdown, I'm going to go to Power. Yeah, Power. I don't think Crows are going to do us a favour, hey? No, I mean, Port won, um, I think it was earlier this year, didn't they play? They won the, 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 they got 25 wins and Adelaide's sitting on 24 wins. So Adelaide wants to win again to uh, even up the ledger there. Um, game five is our game third in place, Saints versus fifth place Swans. We're both picking the Swannies, up the Bloods. Game six, we've got 17th place Hawks versus 14th place Magpies uh, in Hobart at Utahs on Sunday afternoon, uh, Magpies. Yep, Magpies too for me. Uh, game seven, first place Doggies versus 10th place Bombers at Marvel on Sunday, Twilight, uh, Bulldogs. Yeah, I think Bulldogs, but I don't think the, the Bombers are without a chance of an upset. And I wonder if they get into a shootout again. Yeah, definitely. Game eight, uh, eighth place Dockers versus sixth place Lions at Optus Stadium, Sunday evening. The Lions really need to win this. Yeah, they sure do. Their credibility shot. Um, you I'm picking the Lions. 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 Um, yeah. I'll take the Dockers just because I liked their last quarter. I watched their last quarter against Richmond. They showed a bit of heart. So I'm going to pick them just on the back of that. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, there's a lot for them to play as well. They're sitting, what, seventh, eighth, eighth at the moment, I think. Yeah. Eighth. Yeah. So, um, so lots to, lot to play. A uh, lot to play for. Sorry. Uh, game nine, seventh place Eagles versus third place, de- third placed Demons at Optus Stadium on Monday night. So we've got a Monday night game here. Uh, got to be the Demons, surely. Yeah, me too. Demons for sure. Goodness, the Eagles just find new ways to uh, disappoint, don't they? They sure do. I wouldn't want to be an Eagles fan, I tell you what. Not this year. Those poor West Australians. All right. 
Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. On behalf of The Bevy, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening. We look forward to you joining us next time. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Bevy of Bloods for updates and announcements. Please also feel free to check out A Quick Bevy with Swans fans on YouTube and Spotify or wherever you check out your videos and podcasts. A Quick Bevy is a short weekly bonus series by me and a few of my fellow home game members from the O'Reilly stand, Chris and Brett, in which Swans fans take it in turns racing the clock to answer some Swans-related questions. And every now and then, we get really cool special guests on like Nick Smith. Until then, up the bloods and can you swanies? <laughs>